from the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. It is the Craig Needles Podcast, and it is the Friday Roundtable, and you can find us at ClassicRock981.com and LondonNewsToday.ca, talking about the uh, important issues of the week with some very distinguished guests in the studio with me. We've got two former city councilors, Cheryl Miller and Roger Carranci are here, and we have the president of QP Local 101, Steve Holland. Thank you for being here, everybody. Appreciate it. You forgot nice to mention one smart person. We're the distinguished guests. Uh, Steve. Oh, there you Thank go. you That's right. much. <laughs> Not you or I. Not why. Well, that's why I know. Uh, let's talk uh, about what's gone on in the, the, the city this week. And, and there have been some really good news stories in the city this week, and there's been some not-so-good news stories. And one of the not-so-good news stories is I covered a news conference on Monday surrounding two London police officers being shot at an apartment standoff on Kipps Lane. Just a couple of days later, two Edmonton police officers were shot and sadly in that case killed in, uh, after going to investigate what appeared to be a domestic dispute. So we've seen a lot of violence on police officers and this is a troubling trend and we're seeing this more often in Canada. Is there anything we can do about this? I just don't know if there's a way that this city or this province or this country can solve a problem like this necessarily uh, what do you what's your reaction to the fact that we've seen sort of seen a uh, a clustering of violence against police officers the last little while here well to quote murray <clears throat> they're the only employee group that get shot people want to shoot them for the job they do i mean that's that's terrible i i think this whole thing and i'm gonna put it not at the feet of the uh, police not at the feet of the well, federal politicians maybe, but I'm going to put it back into the courts. One of the problems uh, we have in this country is we're really lean. We, we've got a trial going on now because the Supreme Court of Canada said it's fair, it's um, cruel and unfair just um, punishment to keep someone in jail for over 25 years. Well, isn't it cruel and unfair punishment to kill somebody? Like, I, I think we've got to start, if we really are talking about being tough on crime, then be tough on crime. Now, d- the courts can still, and in the case of Dellen Millard, and that right? was the case that happened this week, yeah. Dellen Millard has now been told that he'll have a chance of parole after 25 years. Correct. He will not get parole. Dellen Millard is a serial killer. However, he will have a chance of parole. And I understand why, from the perspective of the families of Tim Bosma and right. Laura Babcock, that is upsetting for them because that means that they're going to have to go back and do the Relive same. Relive it all over. Yeah, and, and I get why they're pissed off about that yeah. and they have every reason to be. Yeah. Um, but Della Millard is never going to see the light of day ever again. Well, okay, I hope so. Yeah. But I, but I can't, you can't promise me yeah, that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we we live in a country that, that we care more about bags of shit we put in prison well, than the people that they kill. There's that. Right? Yeah. Like, uh, I, every family shouldn't have to go back and relive the death of their kids or their grandkids every 25 years. Uh, I certainly agree with that, and I think there's something to be said for that from a sentencing perspective. Now, I want to be very clear that in this case, while the accused, or at least one of the people who was accused in this uh, in the murder that happened at that Kipps Lane apartment building, right. had a criminal record. The criminal instance goes back to 2006, and this person was not under any sort of on bail or recognizance or, or any of those things. And that's something that I, I asked Chief Tri- or uh, Acting Chief Trish McIntyre, who probably should be made the full-time yeah. chief in my estimation. Good woman. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I asked her about that, and she said this person was not on bail or cognizance or any of that stuff. Roger, what was your reaction to what all we, what we saw with police this week? Uh, you know, I, I agree with what Cheryl has said, and uh, and and. Uh, Having a friend, a friend who was a yeah, don't fall over there, Cheryl. <laughs> Having a friend who was a, a, a justice of the peace who's explained to me uh, over time that their hands are tied when they have to do things uh, through the courts. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that this is a courts issue. I'm going to say this is a mental health issue, and I'm not going to say that you know the way to get rid of mental health is to have a, a let's talk day and raise money <laughs> no. and, and do that. This is an issue that if somebody has issues. They should be treated. Um, I think what we have gone and that we've taken it to the extreme now where we think that, as they said, you know, people, it's cruel uh, punishing, uh, cruel, cruel punishment to keep somebody in, in jail for 25 yeah. years. Well, it's, it's cruel punishment not to treat somebody who has a mental health issue. And what we've done over the years is let people out, not saying that we should keep them in, but we should keep them in, treat them then let them out. And Steve, you and I were just talking about that before we came in here. I think this is where we've got, we've gone from one extreme to the other. We're not treating people with mental health issues the way we should. If you, you know, the, the guy on Kip's Lane was on his Facebook page yeah. uh, during the time of, of what he was doing, that's not normal. If you read the story, there was a friend of his that he went to high school with who, who I believe called the police or uh, let somebody know that he was Something was going to happen at some point because of the way he was acting mm-hmm. over the past couple of years. So there are. There that's are, the young guy that was stabbed. Yes. Yes, that's yeah. that. He's the one that they notified the police about. So there, there, there are things that we can do before it gets to this point. Uh, before the police officers get to a point where their lives are in danger, their lives are in danger every day. I, I my brother-in-law is a police officer in, in the city of Toronto, and uh, the stories that he tells. Uh, it's a job that I would not want to do and a job that I think every one of us deserves to give them a lot of credit for doing. And, uh, uh, you know, you see what happens in the U.S., you see what happens here, which I think are two different things, but the, the police here, I think, uh, have more respect than they do down south because of various, various other issues. But uh, mm-hmm. if you're not treating somebody who has a mental health issue properly, we're going to keep having these things uh, going forward. Yeah, uh, and that's definitely part of it. Now, in these particular instances, these were both incidents that a police officer was going to have to respond to. When you have a stabbing death in a stairwell, which is what happened to Kipps Lane, a police officer has to respond to that. When you have a domestic incident where a woman suffered serious injuries, police officers have to respond to that. I do think there is a conversation. I know that it's been had in a lot of corners, and I know that police officers I want to have this conversation as well, where when there's a mental health issue, that there's someone other than the police that respond to that. Steve, what are you, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, for me, I think that there's a multitude of, of reasons for it, the reasons here. I think, you know, again, I fully support, you know, my fellow brothers and sisters in the um, London Police Association. You know, they need, you know, again, a lot of times we need more, more police. As much as, you know, people don't want to spend the money on these things, I think that, you know, it, London's not a small city anymore. We are getting bigger and bigger, and we need to have the proper services in place to ensure that our city's safe. Mm-hmm. And mental health is absolutely an issue. Housing is an issue. Like, we look at all the issues, you know, and it's across the city. It's not just in the core. It's everywhere. The core is definitely a, a really good example of some of the problems, and we see it maybe a little bit more than other areas. You know, we do need other services that are available, to provide supports because again, 
you know, there are some, you know, like Cheryl said, you know, we need to be harsher in the, you know, again, maybe that's not the right word, but we need to be firmer with regards to ensuring that people aren't just out and about and, you know, you, you complete one act of violence and then you're out the next day. That That is not, that's not right. It's not protecting our city. So there's so many different areas that we need to start actually acting on and start doing and, and again, you always hear that we're not able to do this because it's this level of government. All governments should be working together to make sure that this oh, is done. Steve, beautiful. You put the golf ball on the tee because that's exactly the problem I keep saying. Mm-hmm. Is if we don't have federal policies and provincial policies that work, then it becomes the full and total responsibility of municipalities who don't have the same option of taxing people. They just tax your home. That's it. Federally, provincially, they can grab money any way they choose, and they do. And yet they don't put that to housing programs, national housing program, national drug program. Secondly, security and safety. That's all what people want. That's if we could address that, then then municipalities could have partners. Right now, they're on their own, and Absolutely. it's so hard to cure what's going on by municipal and, self. And, and, and there's two things there that I want to mention that, that sort of play off both the points that, that you and Steve made, Cheryl. One is that Steve mentioned hiring more police officers, and look, council is going to take heat for hiring more police officers, Absolutely. and that was a 14 to one vote. Yeah. And if people wanna say, oh, they should be hiring mental health workers instead of police officers. I think there's a conversation to be had for that. However, one London Municipal Council in one budget cycle is not going to be able to completely reform the way that we have the system interact with those who are struggling with mental health Correct. issues. That, it's, just, it's, it's impossible, that's not the way this is going to work. So their options are A, hire police officers, B, not hire anyone. Those are the two, those are the only options. Like they can't start their own mental health service in the city of London. Uh, there just isn't a, 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 a structure in place for that. To work. That's, that's a provincial and federal totally. conversation. And that's yep. where Cheryl's yeah. right. Yeah. That's where Cheryl's right with uh, the other yeah. levels of government. The, yeah. uh, the city can deal with the police issues, even though the police are mandated by what they do by the province. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the payment come from city taxpayers. Right. We need more police in this city because the city's gotten quite a lot bigger over the past few years. I mean, you've seen the, and, and it's going to get even bigger more. Um, but the, the mental health workers, that's a whole other issue and another story. Um, you need people that are competent when they're hired. You don't need to put people who have not had any experience on the streets dealing with issues that people don't want to deal with uh, because that burns people out very, very quickly. But as I said, if, if you are able to treat people properly in a facility where they can get 24-hour care, we don't do that anymore for people with, if somebody has a heart attack, they're in a hospital. Somebody has a mental health issue, they're on the street. Right. And if they wanna go in the hospital, they can go on their own volition. That's another thing. I'm not saying to take away somebody's right, mm-hmm. but when it comes to mental health, and you, and, and you say, you look at them dying on the streets, I witnessed somebody dying on the street two weeks ago on a Wednesday out on Trafalgar Street, East London. Uh, it was not a pretty sight. It was not something I wish to see. I believe it was a mental health issue. That person should be in a hospital. Not on the street. Not on the street mm-hmm. until they're stabilized 
to go back on the street. So this is what we've forgotten over the years. We've kicked people out of institutions. We've closed them down. We've, we've closed down hundreds of beds and then say, well, we're going to build 100 beds to replace 600. Yeah. It doesn't work. Well, we got Sandra Pupatello and Dalton McGinty to thank for that because when they shut the facilities, they did not provide services in the community. It doesn't matter who did it. It's got to be fixed. Well, yeah, of course yeah, it I, does. I, but that's I, how I long ago, it. Roger. That's, that's how long ago it was. Yeah. And yes, yeah, they no, did say they were going to. They did. And we never did never have see that come to and, fruition. And that's a lie that I really hold them uh, accountable for because you can't say we're going to close them, we're going to have options in the community and not put any options. Sure. And, and here's the thing. If the argument was the old London Psychiatric Hospital, it was a dated facility, that's not the way we want to treat people anymore with, with the way that facility was set up. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I, I understand that. But you can't replace it with nothing. That's right. That's and that's what they did. Exactly yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Our problem is we, we, we fought back to how they were treating people 100 years ago. Yeah. Never really changed the treatment methods or the mm. facilities that they were in. We've got a lot more knowledge now on how to do that, but we're not doing it. We're just putting people out on the streets saying, fend for yourself, and if yeah. you need help, come and see us. Yeah. People don't come and see people. They don't. And if you have uh, an issue in the street, if you're yelling at someone or something along those lines because you're having a mental health issue or if you're yelling at yourself, what happens? We're going to call the cops. Yeah. Which the cops don't want to be dealing with no, that. No. And, and this should was, they be? This was warned to us a long time ago when, when Murray, Murray Faulkner was, was, was yep. the chief. I mean, I remember yep. sitting at a committee meeting at City Hall with uh, them coming in reporting to us. We've got a big issue coming forward yeah. here because of that fact. And that's that's where we are today. And uh, until somebody has the you-know-whats to, to make a decision to uh, treat people properly, uh, and those who, um, you know, people have the right yes to say that they want treatment or not, but I think when somebody is to a point where they can't function properly, they should become a ward of the state, however it's put, oh, until, they're, until they're put back, until they're put, until they feel better. Well, the woke, Until wrote, the woke wrote in the sidewalk. Well, you know what? It's 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 those who who talk against that are the ones who say we should be doing more exactly. for these people. That's yeah. the only way you can do it. It's the only way yes. to do it. And and you know what? Face reality. Uh, You've got to put people into a facility again. I have a heart attack. I break my leg. I'm in the hospital until I get fixed. You have a mental health breakdown. You should be in a hospital facility. Get fixed and come back out. It's, it's that simple. And I, I may not be saying it in the most eloquent that's terms, okay. no, right. but that's what but has to right. be done. Yeah. 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 Well, and it's a vicious cycle because, you, like you said, it, it, it comes back on the police. Well, it doesn't just come back on the police. It comes back on all the service providers yeah. that give services to these individuals, and they are not well, yeah. and, and then they face issues. And then, then well, the police get called in again. Steve, obviously you have experience from yeah. an Ontario Works perspective. Absolutely. We you, see it. You, you've done that and your members do that. Like, you know what's going on there. So. Well, absolutely. We, we see it more and more. You know, our, our staff, you know, work the front counter of, of Ontario Works. And, and there's times when they don't feel safe because of the individuals that come in. And those individuals don't know how to, you know, one, they're not well. That's, that's the reality. Steve, it, it affects all those people plus the average citizen. Absolutely. I mean, you can go downtown right now and every store that you used to be able to walk into freely... You can't. Yeah. You have to ring a doorbell, 
and they'll have to let you in because yeah. of all the issues that are happening mm. downtown. And that's it, changed. It, yeah, it has changed. And and look, I, I don't want this to come off, and no one, no, no, no one's saying this. This is not us saying, oh, though these people with mental health and they, they've got to stop doing this. They've got to like we're not finger wagging there. Yeah. We're finger wagging the people that are making the decisions that are not helping these individuals with mental health struggles that need it. The yeah. funders. That's the problem. Absolutely. The funders. Yeah. And and then think about poor Hamilton. They just they just elected a cuckoo. This, this woman they just elected wants to get rid of the police. Yeah. Putting people like that in, in government, funders who fund municipalities, scares the shit out of me. Like she's a post say that? everything. Well, yes, you can say that. Okay. We're on the internet. It's a well, podcast. Okay. Yeah, it's a podcast. We can do what we want. Uh, I, I, here's the thing, and, and that by-election went up being a little bit of a lightning rod for one that like the NDP was never, ever going to lose that by-election. Never. I know. Um, they couldn't put someone decent, though. Well, say what you will about, about Sarah Jama, and obviously she is um, representing a constituency that doesn't often get elected to office, and that would be someone with a disability. She, she uses a wheelchair. Uh, but at the same time, she has some political takes that are not necessarily super savory for mainstream Ontario consumption. And that will be interesting to see how that plays in a grander election when it's just a singular by-election. Well, OK, that doesn't really matter uh, in a riding that the NDP is just going to be an automatic win. Uh, is that something that the Conservatives are going to be using in a province-wide election in a few years? I think that there's going to be some conversations about oh, that. Oh, I think there has to be because yeah. you can't... An avowed anti-Semitic. You, 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 I have that that one. I, I I disagree with. What? If you want to say that you, uh, that, uh, I I don't think she's anti-Semitic. I think that she's been critical of what's gone on with the way that the state of Israel has been run. But who does she blame? The people who run the state of Israel. Right. Well, I I don't think that makes one anti-Semitic though. I don't think that those two oh. things necessarily cross over. Oh, I do. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that if you want to say, hey, she's got some takes about policing that mainstream Ontarians are not going to agree with, we're on the same page yeah. there. I don't think that anti-Semitic is fair. But when you start you know. saying we shouldn't be paying or hiring or having police at all, then, That's, then, yeah. then what you're talking about is anarchy, right? What the hell? Let everybody and, and, that, and that's the thing. And I've got a lot of... T- so I think that the phrase defund the police is not a good oh, phrase. It, 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 it sidetracks the entire conversation. Yeah. However, I've got a lot of time for, what if we were to hire fewer police officers and then hire more mental health workers so police officers did not have to go to mental health calls? I still I've think got a lot of time for that. I think that's the right thing the to do. the municipal... Function. But no, and I understand the pro- I understand the city of London cannot do that. But I think that's something the province and the feds should be t- talking about. Totally. Uh, so I, I'm not saying that city councillors in London need to do that because I know they can't. Right. But I think that there's definitely a conversation to be had there for less money to be spent on police officers, more money to be spent on crisis management, mental health workers. Absolutely, I think there's something to be said. Br- for that. Br- bring but we don't we don't we don't turn police funding down to zero. We talked about these two cases. That's how we started this conversation. One was someone being murdered at an right. apartment building on Kipps Lane. You need a police officer for that. Yes. Two was a woman who was beaten to the point where she suffered very serious injuries, or at least hurt to the point where she suffered very serious injuries in Edmonton. And then when the police officers arrived to try to help the situation, they, they were both shot and killed. Yep. That's not a, oh, we should send a mental health worker to this. No. <laughs> that's not at all. That, that You've sent police officers to that stuff. So we cannot have zero police officers. they didn't officers. have a chance to yeah. pull their guns. No. Well, and, the, and the municipality yeah. is downloading some of the work yes. from the police to the municipalities, you know, because like the noise bylaw, you know, those those workers are 
going to be my members doing right. that. The um, CAR MLEOs, they are going to be doing that work. They already are doing that work where they're dealing with the encampments and stuff like that. So some of that work is being downloaded off the police, which hopefully frees them to do those things. But then now my members are dealing with some right. of those issues and, and it becomes and they're scary. Absolutely. So, you know, no matter what, the work is still going to have to be done by someone. Again, defunding the police, you know, oh. we'll use that term. You know, I don't, I don't believe in that. I don't, I never will recommend that. We you know, need I, that. I, and I still don't think uh, taking police officers out of schools is a positive thing. Oh. I think that that is one of the most negative things uh, that, that we have done, have considered doing or considering doing. I think um, most people, um, I, I won't say they like the fact, I think they were comfortable with the fact police were in schools being doing what they do and letting people know what it's they a great do. outreach and for I, the I think that that's another thing that it, yeah. you know the chicken hasn't come home to roost on that one but it will and uh, if, if we don't change that attitude I think that that's gonna be a big problem yeah and I know we talked we were going to talk about guns and all I was going to say is the borders leaky leaks everything yeah. through it you can make a gun on a 3d printer uh, you know, I, I don't know how we're ever going to control that. And, and I, I agree with that from the gun's perspective. Yeah. Uh, the, like, nothing that Canada does with its laws is going to lessen gun crime. No. Unless you fix up the border situation. And we live right above gun central. Yeah. And that, that, that's never changing. No. No. So, I, so that, I, and, and I, this may sound defeatist, but we just have to live with the gun thing. It, it goes you again know. to, is, is, you know, I'm not a big gun person. No, but normal. Is it is it the gun or is it the person that handles oh, the gun? I don't know. And and it's the, it's the person that handles the gun. It's sure. the mental health issues. It's, but if that person had a harder time getting the gun, then there wouldn't. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. You know what? Because the gun, the I gun using the Kips Lane thing that shot those cops. I don't is get. Gun. I don't right. get why an automatic or an AK-47 yeah. or an AR-15 is available to people. I don't. I don't yeah. understand that. You yeah. don't kill people with sticks. You no, get, I get right? that. But the gun that was the gun the. the, the person that is accused of shooting these two London police officers and the gun that was recovered at that scene, that gun was not a legal firearm, no. according to what uh, what Acting Chief Trish McIntyre said. I don't said. think any of them are that do that. No. So, there you go. Uh, well, um, I want to move on to have another quick conversation. This one about what's going on with Thames Pool. And we found out from City of London staff this week that they think that closing Thames Pool or repurposing it, not having a pool there anymore, is the right thing to do. Uh, they have provided sta- uh, the city councillors five different options as far as what may happen with Thames Pool or what could happen with Thames Pool. There's various levels of expense and risk with each, with each of them. Uh, is closing Thames Pool the right decision for council? Uh, I think this is kind of a catch-22 for everyone who's there. Cheryl, what do you think? I think this has been an issue rolling down the hill for a long time. Um, I, I think if we look back to what was it 20 2013 and 2016 and then 2020 when we we did the upgrades and i remember them them saying that we can't rush this project we want to do it right so that we don't have any problems in in the in the future like i don't know what the hell happened here because this is the only olympic outdoor pool that we've got in the region actually i think it's the only one in ontario quite frankly we host so many meets we bring so many families there's so much teaching going on in that place that that i'm mystified it seems to me that when there's strategic plan they talked about they only want to build indoor pools Uh, we have a summer in canada 
kids like to be outside. The, the outdoor pools are full of kids taking lessons. We can't get enough guards for them. And yet we, we continually not spend any money on maintaining the pools. We went through the same thing with Glencairn. I don't know where the hell that is, what's happening there. We don't maintain them, yet the people come. They say, well, don't make money. They're not built to make money. A community, libraries don't make money. I mean, we provide services to our residents who pay taxes, and yet we do not maintain them. And that pisses me off. Well, does it go against, and, and I'm going to tell you, I've, I've got a soft spot, soft spot for tennis pool because that's the one I went to when I was a yeah. kid. Every day in the summertime, you'd see us, you know, getting our 10 cents or 25 cents from my mom and dad and walking down to tennis pool and spending the afternoon there. Um, you're going to take a facility away from a lot of people in the downtown mm -hmm. area. You're trying to revitalize an area. You've got kids in these areas. They're closing schools in the downtown area. They want to close schools in the downtown area it's really going to affect the neighborhoods they have. So if council does this, they have to realize that people are gonna to have to go elsewhere if they wanna go for a swim, which means they'll have to pile into their car, they won't mm -hmm. take the bus, because nope. you're gonna have a, a, a young kid that you have to take, you're not gonna put them on the bus alone, and you're gonna to have to drive them down to the closest pool, wherever it is, whether it be indoor, indoor or outdoor, and does that is that what the city wants to do? They want people to get in their cars and drive somewhere else? I don't think so. I think they want people have a closer access by walking, taking their bike, um, even taking a bus. So why close that pool down? Why close that facility city? down? Fix it up, do it right, and keep it there for the people that uh, that are there. Because I think it goes against what the city's trying to do in, in other things. Yeah. Uh, full disclosure, I live within walking distance of Thames There pool. you go. Less than 15 minutes, 15 minutes city. Uh, but I, I would love to see it open. And Maggie McNeil wants to see it kept open as well. And she took to Twitter to talk about that uh, uh, as well. Steve, your, th your Thames Pool thoughts. Um, I'm going to kind of echo what both Roger and, and Cheryl said. You know, I grew up as well. I, was, I lived in, in London Middlesex Housing in, in South London. And we had a pool nearby. And I could not tell you how excited we were to be able to go to that pool through the summer it was it was really important to us and we didn't have a lot of money so as both of you said this is a service that we're providing it's not about making money and and you you give people an opportunity to do something at a very inexpensive cost that people that don't have a lot of money can do and these days anymore it seems with inflation and everything it's harder and harder for people to to do stuff so having a cheap affordable way to go and do something fun for kids is important and you know it, it's a simple it's a simple thing yeah it's a lot of money but again we need to invest in our communities and we need to go and do things that help provide good supports to everybody i grew up near sycamore uh, i mean so uh it's uh, silverwood pool we had the pool we had spring summer programs we had craft programs we had baseball teams we had uh, craft days we had all kinds of park programs where you had people that worked in the park that worked with kids and family it was a service that was paid we were poor back then oh that's a long time ago we didn't pay to go swimming uh, and I went swimming every day I took all the courses I became a lifeguard and my my kids went on to do the same thing because it is a beautiful opportunity in a community to ensure our kids learn a fundamental, which is swimming. 
It's life-saving and it's important. So I don't know how council is going to vote on this, but I'll tell them they need to do a real deep dig on this because I call bullshit. I think somebody dropped the ball. You can't tell me we took a long time to rebuild it only to find out very shortly after that it's... And if we continue to take more and more things away from kids to do outside of doing things that are maybe not so productive then you know like i know for me if i didn't have opportunities to do those things play sports my direction in life could have been a lot different than what it is now we cannot take these things away from kids right i would have been in a gang faster than anything because we were a mob (laughs) they might not have had you though (laughs) yeah they would but council did there's a game (laughs) i like to fight yeah well you're good at it um yeah, I, I think that this like this is a damned if you do, damned if you don't for them. Because if you keep the pool open yeah. and you put the money into it, and then you've got to put another three hundred grand to it in five years, another three hundred grand to it in five years, you know that's that's you don't want to be the council that makes that money oh, pit decision. Wait a minute, I got a pool. It's expensive to maintain the pool. Buy new equipment. You have to maintain it every year. And this but if it was three hundred grand a year, Cheryl, you'd probably fill your pool in. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, because it's not going to be. If you just take it down to one person and you look at the population in the city of London, yeah. and to have an Olympic pool, it is a dollar a person. Fair enough. So, so we got to suck it up. We either have to commit to this. Do or it we right. Don't. Do yeah. it once, do but, it. And then, of course, you don't want to be the, the counselor or the mayor that says to that community, oh, yeah, your pool's gone. Yeah. Or so they, that's, you know, I just, I don't think there's a winning option here. Oh, well, I do. I think You think the, the winning option is just spend the money to keep the pool open. Yeah. Invest okay. in your community. Okay. Yeah. It's an investment. That's, 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 what, that's what the city does. You yeah. invest in facilities. You know, if you, th- I remember when I was on council, it was explained to us very clearly. You got a one pad skating rink in the city, you lose money. You have a double pad, you break even. If you have more than two pads, you make money. The city is not in it to make money, nor are they there to lose money. But you have to provide the services for the kids. And you know, then we complain about uh, uh, what do the kids do, um, where they get, how they learn. And as Steve said, you might get caught up into You know, and I'll tell you, if you have kids, the busier the kids are kept, the yeah. less trouble they get into. Yeah. If they don't have things to do, they're gone into things that you're not going to want them to get into. So a pool is a very important part of um, of life for, for, for children. I, and what I to do in the summer. Yeah, I, yeah. I see it. I was part of it. I, again, I every day in the summertime, you'd catch me at Thames Park. Every I think day. the diving well there is a problem. It's, it's, I don't think they need that. I think they need the pool. They need the pool, the swimming surface, an Olympic-sized outdoor pool. It's phenomenal. Yep. Not many other communities. I don't think there's any can boast that. And that brings in swimmers, and it brings in jobs, and it brings in little bits of money because they're staying in hotels and motels. So, like, it, it's an attraction. We, we, it can't always be bud. There's other things. Yeah. Uh, last thing before I wrap up here. Um, Volkswagen is bringing a, an electric vehicle battery plant to St. Thomas. We do not know how much money the government has given them to do this, which is a very large variable here. We do not know how many jobs it's going to be, but this is being handled as a good news announcement. Uh, Roger, uh, what were your thoughts on, on that announcement? So there will be jobs that come to St. Thomas. We just don't know how many. God bless Joe Preston. Yeah. yeah. You know, I know they, they've been working on this file for a long time. 
um, if something needs to be done, it can be done. Um, I, and and I, I give no blame to our council here. I think if, if the blame should go anywhere here, it should be our economic development uh, people for, for not being a part of this. But I can tell you this. For the longest time, this City of London has been very behind in having serviced land or land ready for a super site. We were on mm -hmm. council, we used to talk about it, Cheryl. When Woodstock needed a super site, they went out and got 1,000 acres for the Toyota plant. Yeah. When, when St. Thomas knew something was coming, they went out and got 800 acres for, this, uh, for the Volkswagen plant. London's sitting here, we're twiddling our thumbs. I called London once for a, somebody who wanted to come here. They needed, they needed uh, I don't know how many acres. The city said, well, we have no more than 30 in, a, in any one spot. How can a city our size have such little land and how can we pick and choose? Because the city was also saying, well, what kind of facility is it? And I told them, they said, oh, we don't want that type of facility here. They I want know. high tech stuff. You know I what? Know. It's not all high tech. We need people with, to have jobs in the city of London. The city is growing. You need to have these types of things come here. And mind you, I'm sure a lot of people from London will work at the Volkswagen plant. That's, sure. that's a good thing. It's a regional approach they took, and I understand what uh, uh, Mayor Morgan said, and, and, and that's good. But I think London has to be a lot more aggressive. I've said it over and over again. We, we lost have cornfields along the 401. Roger, we lost Cisco <coughs> to Woodstock. But we have, have cornfields along the 401. That should be an industrial and commercial corridor. The lands there should be zoned. They're not. And this is why, so somebody comes in, they want to buy that land. They have to wait so long to get to that point. In St. Thomas, they actually went to the provincial government. I give Doug Ford a lot of credit for doing this too, saying, you know what, that land is in there. They were putting it in the urban growth boundary and you can go ahead and do this. That's the way it has to be done. Mm -hmm. You can't always lollygag and, and uh, you know, uh, Mr. Mr. A or Mrs. B comes and says, well, I won't like the lighting that's going to light in my backyard. You can't always listen to those types Sometimes of people are going to be sad, for, for but the it's the worth community, it. For yeah. the betterment of the community, that's what they have to do. Do you, know, so. oh, do you know, I remember when the sky was falling, when Ford said they were leaving, and yep. it did fall. And there was a tremendous amount of people who lost jobs, had to go through retraining and all kinds of things. Now they're saying the sky is falling because they're going to build the Volkswagen plant. Joe was working on this when he was an MP, and he was a regional chair of southwestern Ontario. He was working at it then. The takes a long time, but when he got to be mayor, he knew that that was there, and he approached it. He was aggressive. If we want to compete with the states and we want to get jobs for our people, we have to do that. You know, and Volkswagen's going to look after yeah. London too. Trust me. There's Joe be does a lot what, of what what a mayor should do, yep. and that's say, not not say no. He's saying, how can we make it happen? That's, that's it. what they're supposed to do. Yep. And and again, that's no shot to our council. Our council is, is newer. They're, I think, trying to get some things done. And this something like this should have been planned for for a while. But I'll give them. You know the benefit of the doubt for the next time to, they've got to change things they've got to go through the urban growth boundary studies that they have to do now. Let, just get it done get lands in so we can do stuff like this you mentioned economic development i know that something that's being talked about at city hall right now is what if we were to no longer have the separate ledc and bring it in house what do you think of that roger i think it probably i think it would work a lot better now than it, than it has in the past i think 
the, the mayor has to be the contact person. If you've got a mayor that knows what they're doing and is open to economic development, put it hey, in John, the I think office. London does have a mayor that put, knows put, what Put it in the mayor's office and let the mayor deal with it. And I think that's, that's a, I think, one of the number one things the mayor has to do. Leadership role, yep. mayor. Yep. Do you, you agree with that, Cheryl? Oh, my God, yes. I think, I think because when we were presented with files, there was no communication with council or the mayor about what's going on. The, the buck stops at council. It's council's job to provide economic opportunities. It's the mayor's job to lead. What's, I mean, the answer is, yeah, bring it in-house. Steve? Can I, can I say one no, thing? And this is going to sound self-serving, <gasps> but it's not. When you call LEDC <laughs> and you ask for, you have a file of somebody that would like to do something here, they don't like the fact that somebody like me, who works as a real estate agent in commercial and residential real estate, brings that to them. Because then it's not their file. It's my file. They don't like that. I've heard that complaint so many times from so many different people that they do not return calls. They don't ask. If you go to Woodstock, if you go to Ingersoll, if you go to uh, Strathroy. Strathroy, if mm -hmm. you go anywhere else, it happens automatically. Here in London, no. they sit on their thumbs and they do nothing. And that's, you know what, I don't like to take those types of shots at people. Well, I guess I do sometimes. But that's the way it is. That's the reality of what it is truth in is for truth. economic development. Roger, truth is truth. Yeah. <coughs> Steve? For me, I, I always loved in-house because obviously that can create more one-on-one <laughs> -on -one jobs. Yeah. That, so, uh, sure, so I, I didn't think about that. Obviously, I yes, support that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I always find that, you know, again, we, we take, you know, I'm not saying that they don't take pride in their work or anything like that. You know, I, I really don't know. But I know that we don't cut corners. We don't, you know, we take pride in, in providing a good service. And, and if any of our members were hired to do that work, they would do a really great job. And so I will always promote bringing in house stuff because I just find that at the end of the day, it's always proven how well we do a good job. It's accountable to 14 elected people, 15 elected people. Absolutely, rather than being a separate entity. Exactly, and that's what we don't have currently. I, I don't want the information filtered uh, to me. Um, I, I want the information from... The count and, and the mayor would likely yeah. not do it himself. I'm sure that they would have a few people from the council that would that would lead that, and I think that's a smart thing to do because in in, in my thoughts over the years, I don't think it has worked out as well as I thought it would have. Uh, but uh, I, I I would like to see it brought back in house. Listen, Roger, they weren't excited about the chicken plant, um, which is a state of the art yeah. new company production facility and they've done everything they possibly can to make it the best they don't call it chicken they call it protein protein plant well it's okay but it's still chicken <laughs> um i eat protein i like i eat steak so they don't have that protein but you know i think really i want accountability and i'm not seeing it and and i've never seen it or felt it when we were on council either we don't have to have the glamorous no. companies Work is work, and, and I think we need all ranges and types of work. I think that's already been touched on already yeah. today. And I think that, you know, that's that's what we need. I think it's a great opportunity for Anshaw College, University of Western Ontario, to have that kind of a plant with yeah. such modern industry in there. It's, wow, it's a boon to this region. Yeah. It's a boon to Ontario and Canada, first one. Yes. Let's uh, wrap up here just because we're uh, up against clock for time, but I want to thank... 
Cheryl and Roger and Steve for coming in and having a conversation with today. I want to thank all of you for listening to, downloading, reviewing, subscribing to, all that lovely stuff with the Craig Needles podcast, which of course can be found at classicrock981.com, londonnewstoday.ca, and on your favorite podcast app. The Craig Needles podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network. 